a small Christian university in Kentucky two weeks ago, had a simple, basic chapel. No lights, camera, action, just a young person who gave a 20-minute message, and 20 young people who decided we're going to stay because we feel like God's saying something. Two weeks later, over 50,000 people have attended that small Christian university. They had to close the entire city because they did not have capacity for the number of people trying to come in. They had to set up five overflow buildings. People were just out in the streets and in the town and in the grass because they had to put speakers outside because nobody could even fit in the room. They've seen healing, salvation. Uh, We even see well-known Christians like Carrie Joe, Brandon Lake, Russell Johnson just show up to sit in the back, not worshiping, not leading anything, just experiencing what God's doing. And since then, in those two weeks, we've seen similar things break out at over 20 universities across the country. And it's been labeled the Asbury Revival. The Asbury Revival. The Asbury Revival. And it is absolutely amazing, friend. Praise God for tens of thousands of people going to a place and experiencing the presence of God. And thank you, Jesus, for salvation and worship and Holy Spirit outpourings and all of these amazing things. Friends, we have to be encouraged by stuff like this. In a world where we're so tempted to look at the news and all the negative stuff chucked at you every single day, if the Christian community is not looking at these things not only equally as important but way more important and celebrating them, then we will always let the news make us feel bad when revival is breaking out across the country. It is amazing to see. We thank God for it. And if you cannot tell, we are not studying 1 Peter today. We felt as pastors and leaders here at Grace that this was such a perfect time uh, for the church as a whole, the body of Christ, to shepherd things like this, to shepherd things like this, something that so much of the Christian community and even the world has its eyes on. I mean, that three-minute video I made took me about six minutes to make because it's everywhere. I mean, you see clips of this all over the place. You're seeing day after day people sharing videos and all this amazing stuff, and we have to celebrate these types of things. Be encouraged by it. I hope even as you leave today, if we said nothing else, you can just be in awe of God moving. And today, what we felt was, was going to be really beneficial and valuable <clears throat> was for us to look into this word revival, what the Bible says about it, what it means to us, and how it happens. And what kind of triggered this message and me going to the pastors and saying, like, hey, I really think we got to pivot this week. I think we got to do something different. And we were all on in unison about this is I had dozens of conversations at this point with different people about Asbury. And well, what do we think about that? And look at this and getting tagged and stuff and, and people emailing and sharing things. Um, but there was one specific comment, not even sure who, who it was from, uh, that said this. Uh, this is the first revival since 2009. And when they said it, something did not sit right with me at all. I don't, it wasn't anything against them or whatever. I'm sure they were talking about a specific big event, and, and that's awesome. But, but I brought that back to the Lord uh, just early this week, and I was like, all right, well, why is that rubbing me such the wrong way? That it's the first revival since 2009. And I think uh, what struck me is that I feel like I've experienced revival as recently as yesterday. I think I've experienced revival Tuesday night at the Grove where spontaneous worship broke out. I think I've experienced revival sitting in my room by myself and God convicting me of sin. 
So what we want to talk about today is we want to lift up what God is doing. We, we want to magnify it truly because he is worth magnifying. And it is a move of God that's really, really exciting. And yet you can probably already tell where I'm going with this. I also want to, I think, help redefine for us the biblical version of revival. And what it means for us sitting in our seats today, right now. Y'all with me on that? Okay, let's pray. And we're going to trust them, all right? Oh, Father, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the tens of thousands and more that attended something just to experience you. We thank you for the salvation that you brought in our bringing. We thank you that uh, something like this is getting onto mainstream media, God. We are grateful that you are moving. And yet, God, I also ask... That today as we study revival and we make much of you and we lift you up, that maybe we would leave realizing revival sitting in our seats. So we thank you, Father. We just ask that you would uh, teach us, encourage us today uh, that what is meant to be lifted up will be lifted up. What is meant to be um, maybe corrected or taught will be that, that your word would stand and ours would fall. We ask that you might show us something new today, that as we walk out, we may experience our own revival. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and if we're excited about it, we got to sing. And all God's people sang, amen. Come on now. Amen. Pretty decent now. Amen. You're on, you were on beat, too. Come on. Some people would be out here clapping. I'm like, stop it. You're ruining the melody. <laughs> playing. I'm playing. So my, my, my intention today, family, I just want to be really clear about this right off the bat, is to in no way, shape, or form lessen what is happening in Kentucky and across the nation. Again, we should be making much of these things. Uh, so we lift it up and we say, thank you, Jesus. Because I don't know about you, I've been so encouraged that as I scroll through social media, which I probably should be doing less, a lot of my timeline is videos of this event. I mean, come on, praise God, because it's not usually that. It's not usually that. So we lift it up and we say, thank you. But again, today, I want us to look at revival uh, soberly uh, and maybe redefine it, turn some knobs for us in our brains, hearts, souls, and minds uh, about what God actually says about revival. What's a definition that reflects biblical truth? So I, I spent a bunch of time this week searching Bible definitions, and, and uh, the one that I think stuck to me the most as really consistent with Scripture is this. I'm going to read it to you. A revival is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit brought about by the intercession of Christ, resulting in a new degree of life in the churches and a widespread movement of grace among the unconverted. It's an extraordinary communication of the Spirit of God, a superabundance of the Spirit's operations, an enlargement of his manifest power. So by this definition which I believe lines up with scripture, it seems that revival has its origin first and foremost in God, never man. And that the result of sending revival, repentance breaks out among believers and unbelievers, and it also indicates that revival is extraordinary and results in widespread evidence of God's presence. So I think we're going to dive right into some scripture uh, and we're going to hit four things that I think revival needs to mean to us for us to experience it uh, in our own lives. Okay, first scripture, uh, one that has been kind of a stalwart scripture for us. I don't know if that's the word. You guys know I'm not good at phrases like that. Okay, but it's been something we've focused on, we've looked at, and it's Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray 
and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, I forgive their sin and will heal their land. Sounds like revival to me, does it not? Well, what's it say first? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then we get revival. I think the first thing we have to know about revival is is simply this. Revival begins with repentance. Revival begins with repentance. If you look at the story of Asbury, it was just 20 kids, 20 college kids who just felt like, so convicted of their sin, so convicted of what, what, how they had been living maybe or their distance from God or whatever it may be that they just stayed through the night. And as they stayed, people started flocking to it. It began with people on their faces. It didn't begin with the best Christian rock band that makes you feel a certain way as you listen to them. In fact, I don't even think they had worship at this service. You can go watch the 20-minute chapel. Uh, no no uh, offense to the young man that gave it. Pretty mundane, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest. And yet, God didn't care about any of that. God didn't care about any of that. What did God care about? His people seeking his face. People earnestly saying, you know what, I don't have the answers. I know and trust that you do. And because of that, something broke out. So what does this mean for us? It basically means, I think this, God moving in significant, noticeable ways in your life, my life, the community around us is closely tethered to us turning from sin. It starts with us. Us turning from sin. People trusting God and saying, like, I just frankly don't want this anymore. Like, I'm over this thing that's been really hard for me to get rid of, but I'm over it, God. I trust you is better than it. I believe that you're better than it, and I know I'm not going to be perfect in this, but I'm turning. Repenting, literally, it just means this definition, turn. I'm done looking at that stuff. Doesn't mean it's not still there, but I'm done looking at it. I'm done walking towards it. And it's interesting because revival, which we view as this outward expression, a movement, if you will, of God, says it only starts if you're moving in the right direction. It's only going to start if you turn and stop walking towards the things that you might be right now. And then the movement will happen. And I look at so many Bible stories where something amazing happened after, as, or during God's people turning away from their sin. We, in Scripture, see so many times these, specifically in the Old Testament, people tearing their clothes, right? We see that phrase a lot. We see uh, sackcloth, like getting dressed in sackcloth. We see like dust and ashes and mourning. And in most of these instances, God was about to do something amazing for Israel. He was about to do something amazing in the story that he wrote for us. And if you look into these things and you tearing their clothes and sackclothing and all this dust and ash, all that stuff, you know what it's talking about? Repentance. It's talking about being so broken over the things that are not of God in your life that you are just driven to your knees in front of him and then something starts happening. I think the first thing we have to point to friends, is that if we want to see awesome moves of God in our life, if we want to feel him more in our life, it often starts, if you will, with you giving up your crap. It often is going to start with you just acknowledging, I I know he has not wanted this thing in my life, but I keep making excuses for it and I keep holding on to it. And then I'm getting frustrated that I'm not seeing God move in my life. And he said very clearly, it's great to look at things like Asbury and get excited, but that's only going to happen in your life when you hit your knees. When I hit my knees, that's how it starts. 
And I think I, I even, for me, look at something like the Asbury outpouring or whatever we want to call it, and I'm like somewhat jealous, right? I'm like, well, man, I want to be there. 50,000 people showed up this thing. They had to shut down a city. Man, like, I'm, you know, I'm ready. I'm, I'm trying to be a part of something like that, and I feel like God so clearly is like, that's because you haven't hit your knees yet, Phil. You've been holding on to stuff that's holding you back and holding the people back around you. You know what's so interesting is that when we aren't walking in this as believers, we actually hold other people around us back from revival. So I think we have to look at this as we're trying to grasp and understand revival on a biblical basis, not just an emotional, something that looks really good basis. And again, we're lifting Asbury up. It's amazing. We have to look and realize it actually starts much smaller. Starts much smaller. You, you in your prayer closet, you in your time with Jesus, you on your car rides talking to Him. Whatever that might look like, that's where it begins. Saying, "I'm done with this. It's yours now." And I don't know about you, but I can testify that so many times in my life, when I make the hard step, and it is a hard step, to get rid of something that I so easily have held on to, to get rid of habits or lifestyles or people that have been so easy to hold on to, even to get uh, uh, ways of thinking and different habits uh, that were hard to get rid of, but the minute I get rid of them, I see movement in my life. You know what that is? Revival. If you're in the room and you've fought for repentance of something, again, not perfectly, but you've cleaved some stuff out of your life, I want to encourage you and lift you up this morning. You've experienced revival. So when we look at things like this, this awesome global kind of scale revival, I think the first thing we have to know is things like that of it, and then we're going to get to what else it can look like. It starts with repentance. Here's the second thing out of Psalm 85. I love this. The psalmist says, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Revival, as the Bible teaches, is simply this, produces rejoicing. We see how revival begins, the importance of repentance, what that can look like. But then there's actually a product of it. Product of revival, the Bible clearly says in many other places than just this psalm, that their people will rejoice as revival is happening. How amazing that while some would chalk up Christianity and religion to just a bunch of rules and stuff you do in a Sunday event that you show up to from 9 to 10, 18, so you can make your lunch plans after, you know what I mean? And actually saying it's, it's really none of that because real faith produces none of that. It produces rejoicing. Let me just encourage you in the room, if you have in any level of your life and your walk with Christ experienced unexplainable joy, you've experienced what? Revival. You've experienced revival. I, just, I, need, to, I need to encourage my brothers and sisters and me as well, because like I said, at moments I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, I want to be there so bad. And God's like, you have it. <laughs> you have it. It's with you right now. But are you utilizing it? But are you utilizing it? Do you hear the difference there? And I think sometimes we say, well, I haven't experienced revival, and yet you've walked through a hard season with joy, and he was reviving you every second. He was reviving you every minute, but we didn't view it as revival. Hmm. I wonder how many all of a sudden in the room realize you've been a part of some revivals. You've been a part of some revivals. 
Revival produces rejoicing. I love the psalmist. Check this out. I'll go back to the passage. It's so cool to me because when I think of a psalmist, I think uh, myself and some of us would think, well, they, they had such proximity to God. They knew him so well. Like they're penning books of the Bible, for goodness sakes. Like these people were tuned and tapped into the Lord. And yet what does it say right here? Will you not revive us? You're telling me that someone that wrote a psalm in the Bible Needs to be revived again? Yeah. Yeah. So you know who else needs to be revived again? You. Me. You know when you could be revived again? Now. Will you not revive us again? Meaning a couple things. One, it's happened before. They've seen revival. They've experienced revival. They've seen joy produced maybe out of hard seasons. They've seen repentance start movement. They've seen revival. They've felt God before, but they need it again. You know, what's interesting about something big and massive and grand like Asbury Revivals, that's not going to happen every week. That's not going to happen every week. So those same people are part of this amazing event that I'm a little bit jelly of, you know what I'm saying? They're going to need revival again. Asbury University ain't going to Cut it. There's only one person that does. And he's in this room. He's sitting in some of y'all's seats. His name's Holy Spirit. We've experienced revival if we've experienced rejoicing. And the beautiful thing is, is like we can have this. We don't necessarily have to be there to experience revival that leads to rejoicing. It can happen today. It can happen in your families. It can happen in your living room, you and the Lord. It can happen at a ministry where something breaks out. It can happen in all of those settings. And I want to encourage you, if you've experienced rejoicing, you have a piece of revival. Don't tell yourself you haven't. That's part of the shepherding moment today, I think, is to not look at things that are big and grand and feel as if you've been robbed. You've been robbed of nothing. The tomb was robbed for you, therefore it is as in you as it is anywhere else. And here's why I think this is so important to shepherd because I look at events that maybe we throw. We throw something called Revive for the youth and on a yearly basis. It's incredible. We, all, we get 200-ish kids and we do altar calls. And man, like this year, I have a picture of like 75 kids on their knees with just sob puddles on the floor. And you, but you know what we tell kids every year at Revive? This isn't the only piece of Revival. In fact, you are going to have to keep going on. You're going to have to go back to school Monday. You're going to have to go back to that boss who, who sucks. You know what I'm saying? Like, your boss didn't experience revival. We know that. You know what I mean? You're going to have to go back to the hard family issues. And, and is revival any less available now? Because you're not at the mountaintop moment? Oh, and we're going to get into that in a second. Revival begins with repentance, family. It produces joy, but there's more to it. Check out this passage from Hosea. Oh, did I not put that up? Oh, I went back, yeah. Check out this passage from Hosea. I love this for multiple reasons. Um, one, this is a prophecy of who? Jesus. Do you know that every level of revival dies right back to our Savior? Revival cannot be separated from him. Not real revival, at least. It says this. After two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will restore us that we may live in his presence. It's interesting to me that the third day is the day of completion. The third day is the day that it was done. And it says on the second day, you'll experience revival. Do you know what this says to me? This says to me that revival is not even the end goal. Restoration is. 
Revival is not even the end goal, restoration is. I just love the order here, um, and I have more scripture I'm going to bring to you about this order because this order is very biblical. The, the order says in two days you'll experience revival, meaning, meaning that's a piece of the final process. It's actually not even on the same day as restoration. There's something coming after a revival. This is a prophecy of Jesus, and in the prophecy it's made it clear that revival leads to something meaning it's not the end goal. What does it lead to? It leads to restoration. Here's why this is so important, I think, to understand. Because what we do is we, I think at times, we look at the mountaintop experiences, we look at the big event, we look at the most talented leaders, and we think, if I'm not there, I've missed something. If I'm not a part of this uh, environment or if I haven't experienced this event, I haven't got a piece of what I'm supposed to have. And then what we do, whether or not we've realized it, is thrown revival on the throne of our heart when that's not even the end goal. I'll give you another example. Passion. Passion is an amazing event for young adults that we bring 50 kids on a bus down to Atlanta every year. And every year, it's this mountaintop experience. It's the most talented worship leaders. We're in amazing avenues. We've got a dude breaking their legs in the middle of the city, Chris Benna. I had to bring him to an urgent care. That didn't feel like a mountaintop experience, but there was revival there, somebody. And I encourage the young people the same way. Hey, you're going to go here. You're going to experience something. You're going to leave feeling on this high, right? Whether that's spiritual or emotional or a combination of the both. You're going to leave this thing. But I'm telling you, you still got to go to work Monday. So you need to leave this with something more than just a revival experience because it's not even the end goal. And I wonder, for some of us, myself included, we seek so much after revival that we missed the real purpose. Restoration. What's restoration look like? Restoration's the day in, day out, ugly, nitty gritty. Because you left the mountaintop experience and that's okay. You left the church service where you were like, oh my gosh, I'm buzzing. It was so good, the message was great. Worship really hit me this time. And then you have to go get in your beat up Subaru and drive back that you have to get fixed the next day. My transmission just blew in my car. I'm with you, okay? And what if I were to suggest that that revival I experienced was meant so I could be restored in my beat-up Subaru driving to get the transmission fixed? I mean, are you with me, though? Do you hear the major difference? And do you hear how it's, it's really good to get excited about the huge things? It's really good to be excited to go to the events. The events are solely meant to lift you up and encourage you for the day-to-day -day restoration. That's the difference. And the reason I feel so passionate about this is because I'm not joking, I got dozens of either being tagged and stuff about Asbury or uh, being, you know, people sharing stuff, and I just kept seeing comments like this, our church needs that. And I'm like, our church has that. It just doesn't look like a mountaintop insane experience, and I would actually argue if that's what we fought for every Sunday, we're not fighting for the right thing. This church, this church, any, what I believe to be a Bible-based, like we're going to get into the nitty-gritty, we are more concerned, get me and hear me, walking you through the day-to-day -day dirt than we are providing you a one-time weekly experience. 
So, so I'm not knocking any type of church. In fact, this church is a church that has intentionally tried to partner the region. We have gone in initiatives called Expand a Dream, Unite a, na- a Region. You know, we have uh, Marcos to weekly pastors meetings with like 10 other local pastors just to pray for the region. We are very much on the team of the local God-given establishments, the church. We are on the team for that. And yet, and yet, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you that you got to find a place, whether it's here or somewhere else that is getting into the restoration with you, not just providing you an experience. Do you see the difference? You see the difference and experiences are beautiful. You should leave church sometimes sobbing. You should leave church sometimes broken about your sin. And yet you should also leave church sometimes challenged that you need to stop being anxious about the broken down Subaru. Because that's the day-to-day restoration. That's the day-to-day dirt, which God, I feel says really clearly, is the actual goal. Is the actual goal of why you come to things like this. Come to big events, want, we want to experience these, all these different things. And I think the goal is, isn't the revival itself, it's what's to follow. Give you some more scripture to back that up if you're not with me yet. Psalm 80. Let your hand rest. You want to know what this is another prophecy of, by the way? Jesus. Funny how Jesus is tied to revival no matter what. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Check this out, though. Verse 18. Then we will not turn away from you. What does that sound like? Repentance. Revive us, and we will call on your name. And then what? Restore us. The alliteration of the order of this, I didn't even have to make up. It comes straight out of Scripture. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. The order is the same, and these aren't just the only two scriptures. Revival is actually for the purpose of restoration, and get, you not, y'all need to hear this one. The primary vehicle for restoration here on earth, outside of the Holy Spirit, is the church. Here's what I love about every major revival in history, and you can look this up. The things we would call revival, while maybe being dangerous, uh, in a dangerous place of missing the little, revi- the little revivals in our life, the revival he's doing in your living room, the revival he's doing at your little local Bible-based church, the, the revival he's doing in your little men's group that only has six dudes showing up, the revival he's doing those places, what make, what make us miss these things is because every major revival that we view as this big thing led to what? Churches being planted. Pentecost. Pentecost we view as the mountaintop experience. We have churches that model every one of their services off Pentecost. Can I encourage you in something? Pentecost was meant to end. Pentecost did end. And what did Pentecost do? Birthed the church. If you feel, because there aren't mountaintop high experiences, that you're not a part of revival, I want to encourage you in something. You're sitting in the product of it. Revival looks like an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that then somehow grants a small nonprofit church to build and buy an entire shopping center, to build a dream center where hundreds of people every single week are coming and just being loved on for free. No, we don't ask money ever for that stuff. That's the product of revival. And I just want to encourage us. I just want to encourage us that maybe, 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 maybe we've been guilty of times of looking for the pinnacle experience while missing the product of it. You know, if revival happens on God's time, by the way, and it happens for the purpose of restoration, which the primary vehicle of restoration is the church, and we go to church and think it's mundane, 
we have heavily insulted something very important. How dare me ever show up to church, my family, and feel like it was mundane because it didn't tickle the right ears I wanted tickled. I've actually missed the purpose. I've missed the purpose. And I want to take this a step further. If at church we tried to manufacture experiences every week, we're not doing anybody a service. Because we saw earlier that is extremely clear, revival starts with who? I cannot make God decide to show up and do something that we would view as amazing. And when I try, Phil's getting in the way. Oh man, let me take this a little farther. I would argue there's been revivals that were not revivals for Jesus. And that's grace. There's grace for that, right? Because we're all learning. We're all, I get up here and get emotional and fiery and Holy Spirit's speaking to me sometimes and there are times I leave this church and I'm like, I wonder if I got in the way more than I helped. The order is obvious. It's, it's all over scripture. I mean, we can look at, again, things like Pentecost and Peter plants the church. And, and I just want to maybe submit this to us again that, that while Pentecost is this huge, amazing, marquee moment, I'm going to read Acts 2 for the rest of my life. Pentecost ended for the planting of the church. We're in the product. That's so encouraging to me to think, oh my goodness, not only is revival available to me at all times, but I've, I have the blessing and privilege of sitting in it every week. The bride. Imagine if I went to my wife and was like, you've been boring today. <laughs> well, our relationship just hasn't seemed as fiery as of late. Y'all see the correlations here? That one was just for you guys too because that didn't come out first service. You're, take that, somebody, somebody. I'm not calling you boring, babe, at all. For real. But I, just ha- I need you to hear it, man. This is, a tr- this is a product of revival. We're literally sitting in it. We're sitting in this building that's been planted for the glory of God, for the restoration of his people, the day in, day out, grittiness. And I need you to hear, that's actually what revival's meant for. You with me on that? So when we look at Asbury University, we, we lift it to God and we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can I tell you one of my primary prayers has been for that gathering? It's not that it keeps going for 10 more weeks. It's that the people who met him for the first time find a Bible teaching church, church to restore them, to walk day in and day out with them. And by God's grace, he will do that because he understands his model because he made the model. Amen. So things like that are beautiful, and we praise God for moments like that, and we hold to them as encouragement in our faith because we all need those things, and yet they're meant to lead to further restoration, and we're sitting in it. So please, the family, the bride, you're the bride, by the way, please, please never be dissatisfied with who God gave you to do it with. I'm not talking about your spouse either. God used revival so that he could restore us through what maybe we view as mundane, but there is nothing mundane about God's house. Family, uh, here's my little, this is like your take home. If you're the type that just likes to leave with a sentence, this one's for you if you're not the note taker, okay? It's amazing to want the visitation of God, but the end goal is not visitation, it's habitation. You know, scripture speaks about people 
who experience the Holy Spirit in the mountaintop times, but then choose to walk away. Therefore, visitation clearly is not the goal. Can't be. If people are able to walk away from it, if people, not, not all 50,000 that went to Asbury University found the Lord. They didn't. Visitation is not the goal. Habitation is. Visitation, visitation without the habitation, in the end, doesn't reap the fruit we even want. That might just be for a couple of people because I'm not going to lie. That's levels deep right there. That's levels deep. But, hey, y'all showed up for something. Y'all showed up for something. And the encouragement is this. The visitation and the habitation are available right now, right now, for you, in your own seat. And we're going to get to that very briefly here. But I think if we understand uh, that revival is seen defined by the Bible, it starts with repentance. It produces rejoicing. And it leads to restoration. And we see throughout scripture in our lives people experiencing these things on different scales, major events in their bedroom, some in small groups, some in church, some on the street. I just even want to put this out there. Like some of the most moving moments in my life have not been with 60,000 people. It's been with one other person. I want to give you two examples of that actually. Because I do think this is important. Uh, Two weeks ago, two weeks ago at the Grove, it was one of those quote-unquote mountaintop experiences. We had people on their knees, people praying for each other. We skipped the message completely and, and worshiped for almost an hour and a half. And I had a boy named Devin, who I don't know if he's here or not. We were talking yesterday. That bum. He came up to me, little 22-year-old dude, and he said, he said, Phil, something's shifting right now. I don't know what it is. And I, kn- I knew at the time he didn't know the Lord. And I said, I know what it is. I 100% know what it is. I know who it is. And we prayed and he accepted Jesus right then and there. And I need you to hear me. The whole night was amazing. The minute he said those words, like, Lord Jesus, your mind, something shifted in the room. Something shifted in the room. Can I encourage you? That's revival. That's revival. And I was able to bring him up front. I was like, do you feel comfortable sharing this with other people? And he was like, actually, yeah, I'm cool with that. And he was just like, man, I'm not going to lie. I've been going through like hell recently. He was in the hospital for some stuff he did to himself, basically. And he came up and like, I just accepted Jesus and the room exploded. The room exploded. And I want you to hear that. But here's what else I want you to hear. Another one that sticks out to me. A few years ago, we had a student come to me uh, during a service where we stripped everything down. We took chairs out of the room. We turned the, we turned the house lights on and all the pretty lights off intentionally. Intentionally. We just acoustic worship. We got rid of the band. And this young man who I've been working on for years, holy moly, comes up and he's like, Phil, I think I get it. I think I get it. And I was like, all right, brother. Well, hey, you got to count the cost because that's what the Bible says to do. How about this? You, you think about it, pray about it, and let's meet in the morning, 6 a.m. We meet at Dunkin' Donuts. And in that Dunkin' Donuts, he accepted Jesus. And can I tell you something? The Dunkin' Donuts shifted. Do you hear me though? Revival is available at both. And revival is not, uh, it's just one person. It can just be one person going from death to life and you can feel it. That's revival. That's revival. And if we understand that and we see how this is uh, played out over and over, then I think one more thing that's just hugely important to understand is that revival is not one size fits all. Revival is not one size fits all. We can go story after story. There's a reason Pentecost stands out the way it does. Because it was huge compared to a lot of other things that we see as revival. But it's not one size fits all. And here's why I say this. Because as I've mentioned, my, my heart has been slightly heavy 
during the last two weeks, as I see people post and share and say some of the things that I mentioned, like, we need to bring that here. And, and, don't, and don't get me wrong, of course, I want powerful moves like that, but the powerful move is here. Again, the powerful move is as available to you right here in Shrewsbury, Pennsylvania, is in, is it in Kentucky right now. It's as available, it just doesn't always look the same, and that's okay. That's okay. I don't know about you, but I can speak to just in the past weeks, revival I've experienced, but the difference is I'm looking for it with a biblical definition of it. I wonder how many of us in the room have experienced the revival of the Holy Spirit even in the past 24 hours, but you're not calling it that. And therefore, you're actually downplaying what revival is and thinking that by not being in Kentucky, you're missing something. And again, there's no condemnation there. There's no shame there. I just want to encourage us that if you've got eyes to see, revival's everywhere. If you've got Holy Spirit in you, revival walks with you. It doesn't have to look like Phil being loud and boisterous and whatever. In fact, it shouldn't for a lot of you. Because I can't bring revival, first of all, I can't bring revival at all, but I can't aid in revival of people who don't want to hear it from me, or people who aren't like me, people who don't respond to things like me. You know how many people didn't go to the Asbury Revival because they got social anxiety? And what, did they miss it too? No, it's as available to them in their living room being anxious because God wants to free them from that anxiety. And like I said, my heart has just been a little bit heavy because, because revival is just not, and it's never been. It's not one major publicized event where we see the highlight reel and think we need that. It's not the super mega church with the powerful speaker and the most talented worship leaders. And listen, I need you to hear me. While, while I, I am a supporter of many of these people, and I believe that a lot of them are serving the purposes of God and doing their absolute best, the same way we're trying to do our absolute best, I do think it can be dangerous in many ways because we think that's the pinnacle, and it's not never been the pinnacle. I got to get back to it. I feel like because of my personality and the way God's gifted me, if I'm not really careful, I will get in the way of him more than I'm helping him. Do you know that you could be gifted by the Lord and pushing people away from him? So I think we just have to be careful. And again, just a shepherding moment of maybe redefining how we see these things. Uh, because if we don't think we're experiencing that type of thing, then we think we've never experienced revival. Well, if I could just have the worship leader who's always emotional and charismatic, then we'd be experiencing Holy Spirit more. No, if you're looking to a person or a program or a certain practice to experience in God, you're experiencing humans, not the Holy Spirit. Do you know how, how many people in this room are contemplative worshipers? Trust me, I notice because I get up here and kill it and y'all don't even give me an amen. Y'all people, help me out here. Help me out here. And you know what's so cool is that God has gotten me to a really cool place of I'm going to do what he tells me to do and you do what he tells you to do and you worship how you're supposed to worship and I'm going to worship how I'm supposed to worship. And if I'm supposed to influence you to wor worship a certain way, great. Maybe you're supposed to influence me to worship a certain way. Because if you have Holy Spirit in you, you are as attuned to revival as I am. Because he's the only avenue I have to know anything about it. And I just want to shepherd us, I just want to lead us today as we close out here in just a couple minutes to understand that the revival God has is and will continue to bring is as available today as it is anywhere else. But we may miss it if we only think revival looks one way.
So as we worship and we fellowship and we uh, go out today and back to your families and do whatever you're doing for lunch and all that good stuff, I just want to ask you a question. I think you, you have to be answering for yourself. How is he reviving you even right now? And if you don't think he is, that's not because you need Asbury University. That's not because you need me to encourage you to get hooping and hollering, which I'd be okay if you did. Some of y'all like feel it's never going to happen. I'm like, well, we'll keep working on you. How's he reviving you even right now? Like, do you struggle to answer that question? And it's okay if you do, because I think I do too. But it's an important question to ask because he is reviving you even now. He is restoring you even now. So how's he doing it for you? And as we sing, and we're going to sing, Jesus, we love you, because that's like, what else would you want to sing when you're looking for revival? God, Jesus, scripture over and over prophesies about revival, and you're part of all of it. So I love you for that. I love you that you're the avenue to it. I just want you to be asking and, and singing the songs uh, and just finding, letting him help you find a, a new understanding, a new revelation of what revival even means because he is doing it. It's about if we're looking. Yes, friends, let's be extremely encouraged by Asbury University and the other college campuses, and I'm going to continue to be encouraged by that. It, revival is here, but God's showing me it's always been here. The question is, am I tapping into it? I'm going to ask you guys to stand. I'm going to pray for us. Uh, we're going to worship and to see what he does. Father, we thank you and we acknowledge that revival is here. God, I ask that any, any of these words that were not of you, would they fall? But if they were, would they teach us? Would they lead all of us to a more right understanding of who you are and how you work? And Father, I do ask as we sing even now, if we acknowledge that revival begins with repentance, maybe some of us don't think we've experienced revival because we haven't turned from something yet. And maybe today's the time. Oh, gosh. Lord, I thank you for even what you stirred in my heart earlier today. And I just ask for more. I ask that you would bring us to a place of, of being willing and ready to give something up and see how it shifts the room for us. We love you. We trust you with all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.